The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Leap Pursuit Podcast. Tonight, I'm joined by the finest subject matter experts that the gaming community has to offer. Oh, wait, no, no. I'm sorry. I've got Matt and Steve. Hey, fellas, how y'all doing tonight? I was wondering if we had a special guest star or something. Yeah, exactly. Who could Doug be talking about? Oh, he's talking about us. Yeah. Well, that's all right. You know, I, I'm glad I've got you guys because otherwise it would be Doug's monologue tonight and no one wants to listen to that. So, you know, I, I do have to throw out some new nicknames for you. Now, we have heard Steve referred to as the White Claw of historical wargaming. And I, th- I think that was going to pretty much stick. You know, you're not even Bud Light. You're a White Claw. Um, but the latest one that I heard that I that I will not give credit to who offered this one up. But uh, Matt, you referred to as the ghost of wargaming past. What do you have to say about that? Why would I be called that? Have we seen you wargaming lately? That's not fair. No, no <laughs> ghost. We haven't. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see you on Monday, right? You're going to show up for Monday for more Aeronautica? Yes, yes. I owe you two beers, so... Maybe. Yeah, that's true. These beers have been sitting in your fridge and you still owe me. So I'm sure they're good and skunky by now. That's right. It's You know what day it is? Steve, thank you very much for reminding us. It's National Margarita Day. Yeah. And Matt's drinking beer, communist. I'm just curious. Does that mean the ghost of War Games Futures is Matt, but he's like 350 pounds and walks around going, actually, is that what happens? <laughs> Is that You're the, the one that used actually in a, in a Facebook chat today, so uh, <laughs> you have no room to talk. <laughs> anyway, speaking of next events, hey, how about next events? Um, Adepticon. What else to talk about? Not a whole lot, but hey, here's the deal. Uh, some of the events are really full. Some of the events are not full. Uh, the big thing is there's one slot or so left, a couple slots left in both the uh, let me think here. Big MIG Alley, if you want to play 172nd scale Korea on Sunday. There's also a couple slots left in the Wing Commander uh, smorgasbord of jets. Uh, so we'll have some uh, some fun with that. I think there's a total of 12 slots and there's seven filled, something like that. So there's a couple more spaces open for Wing Commander. The tournament has 12 of 16 slots filled. That's personally frightening because now I have to remember to bring six mats instead of just four. So hopefully we will fill all the slots with walk-up people that have lists that are compliant. Now, I will also bring up the controversial policy that came back out today. Did either of you see the post about the Adepticon models policy? I did not. Okay. So most people won't read it, or if they do, they'll freak out and Go rage on uh, social media as probably is already happening. But here's the point. Like the first bullet of the whole clause is this can be set differently by each game organizer. Uh, because once again, it's got to satisfy small independent games, uh, small independent game hosts and larger corporate people like GW. It should be no surprise that if you're playing a Games Workshop game 
and you're on the top table streaming, your army better be full of Games Workshop parts or else it's not going to be on the streaming table. That's what they do, ladies and gentlemen. They sell miniatures. I realize you didn't figure that out as you were writing and complaining about the miniatures policy. But uh, the point is it's left up to the uh, TOs. And there is a three-color minimum. Yes, it's scary. Adepticon says you have to have three colors on all of your miniatures. That even means your 3D printed ones there, you 40K players. But uh, it, it also defers to our policy, which is, guess what? Fully painted miniatures. It's also to, you can use proxies. So if you want to make a 109G list and all you have is bendy plastic 109 EF, whatever hybrid those things are, DEFs. Uh, you have the Warlord Bendy ones. That's fine. We don't care. If you have beautiful 3D printed one from Steve Toth, we also don't care. That's great. Uh, we're not going to throw you out for not having Warlord models in the tournament or in the streaming. Uh, that's also very clearly stated in the tournament packet. So please bring whatever models you have. Please, if you want to try a new airplane combo and you've been flying Spitfires and you want a different model, Please fly it. Uh, do that. Experiment. Uh, we will We will adjust. So don't freak out over the policy. They've got to cover all the bases. Uh, but there are people who will ask questions like, what if I'm playing Twilight Imperium uh, and I have painted my models and does that count and can I proxy other models? That's a fucking board game, you asshole. You can bring whatever miniatures you want to that. It's not a miniatures war game. So... Read and comply with policies. All right. What else is going on? Uh, Aeronautica Imperialis. A light showing this year. Eight of 20. I expect it's because, insert drama here, uh, they have canceled the game. It's it's dead. It's dying. Yeah, whatever. Uh, apparently, there's a schedule conflict with some other cool stuff. Probably Kill Team or something else equally. There'll fun. be more than that that show up anyway. There always there is. There will. Absolutely. There, there's, there's always like, more. There's always extras. So, I was um, going to say it's certainly not competing with uh, uh, L.I., yeah. Oopsie, too soon. <laughs> no, there's a great Legion Imperialis game. It's 500 points. Bring whatever was actually in the only box you could buy. And don't bring your cards because they're wrong and not approved. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> now, actually, Chris and I were having a great discussion about that at lunch today over margaritas. Uh, and, you know, I, we're both kind of skeptical. We, we've read the, through the rules, or actually, I've read the rules. Uh, Chris has flipped through the book and looked at pretty pictures and said, "Ooh, there's lots of rules in here." Chris uh, he does confessed not read. that. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He confessed that at lunch today that he had actually flipped through the rule book but not read anything. Uh, but I'm really skeptical how it's going to play. I want it to play well. I want it to be cool. We'll just have to see. Uh, I think we've all uh, got a fallback position that worst case we'll go play second edition epic with really brand new miniatures and be those sad old guys. I too read read the rules. Uh, all three I know. Uh, what's that? Oh yeah, no, there's there are a lot of special rules in that that are going to cause a lot of flipping. There are back to the well, book. and so to, to the discussion we were having earlier, this is the kind of game that will make Steve lose his mind because it is a lot of flipping open the book and going back and forth and going. My Titan has the armor bane special rule. What the hell does that mean anymore? You know, and and I. I described it at Siege of Vicksburg this last weekend when Adam Chance and I were sitting there talking, and I said, it's it's kind of like 7th, actually 6th edition 40K, 2nd edition Epic, and um, uh, I'm losing track of what the big game was, um, Apocalypse. And Apocalypse all had a baby, and that is this game. It's got tons of rules. 
uh, really cool miniatures and data cards for formations. So I, I don't know. We're not going to play it. I, we, we, well, we might. We might get a chance to play it. I'm not making any time to play it. There's no official event, I don't think. Uh, so, eh, whatever. But you know what there is? There is painting of small vehicles because Chris is teaching two classes, not one, but two classes on how to airbrush your small vehicles. Now, he and I were also talking about that at lunch and uh, want to make sure everyone knows this. One, it's not an intro to airbrushing class. So if you've never picked up an airbrush, this may not be the class for you. But more importantly, there's no way to cram it all into the class period. So Chris is going to demonstrate a lot of techniques. Chris is going to help people work through employing those techniques. But if you want to sit, stick around for the next four hours and just paint with airbrushes, stick around. Classroom's not not booked. So feel free to bring a couple different things to try and uh, work your technique on a couple different vehicles. And we'll go from there. Yeah, Yes, sir. Mr. Yes. Uh, what does one have to bring? Uh, to that uh, preferably a good attitude, not your bad attitude, young man. Uh, no, so <laughs> what, you you don't have to bring anything. We will have airbrushes, compressors, paints, miniatures, um, freaking diaper cloths down so you don't spray paint the table. Uh, please don't spray paint the walls. I can't cover the walls in, in pet diapers. Uh, but <laughs> we uh, will have everything. And if you want to bring your own airbrush, that's great. Please do if there's one that you're used to using. Um, if you want to bring your airbrush and compressor because you just got your little combination that you trust, do that. You even want to bring some paints. That's cool. Uh, but we are going to provide everything you need uh, except for the knowledge of how to use an airbrush. Once again, please bring that. That and a winning attitude, young man, and you'll go far in this business of painting small miniatures. Does that answer your question? Yes, sir, it does. Thank you. <laughs> that was that was a longer longer winded answer than Nikki Haley trying to explain her position about IVF. Too soon. <laughs> All right, enough political jokes for the day. All right, so that is Adepticon once again, twenty to twenty four March. Uh, Historicon, uh, still lots of churn, still lots of things I don't know. I I, I don't know, Steve, what you've been hearing. I I don't even want to think about it. Well, we'll figure it out. We're going to dude historicon, man. That's like a freaking desperate housewives of historical gaming right now, man. The freaking (laughs) drama going on with HMGS is just crazy. Holy moly. Yeah. And I'm just trying to stay on the periphery of it and go, Hey man, I'm just here to help. Just like stream some stuff. Yeah. man. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what actually shows up. What I'd like to do, uh, what hopefully we end up doing this summer. Uh, is we're going to do streaming some games, play some uh, Blood Red Skies. I'll go ahead and, you know, put the bug in Charles and a couple other people's ear. If you want to host a Blood Red Skies tournament, that sure would be awesome. We'll bring some swag uh, and we'll have a good time. If someone nudge, nudge, wink, wink, uh, other than us would like to host the tournament. Um, And, you know, we're going to stream some stuff. We're obviously also probably going to feature a brand new game from Warlord that's up for pre-order right now. Demonstrated by the lead designer or lead developer, use the right term here, lead developer, uh, who might be a good friend of the podcast. Ooh. So we'll we'll be definitely talking about that later once Warlord gets their exclusive interview with him. I said, um, <laughs> I, I was actually in my hobby room trying to dig dig things out. Uh, and you I found more tanks? I you had more tanks I, than no, you had actually, A4s? That's exactly where I was going. Sweet. How many out. A4s did you find, Matt? Let us know. How many 172nd A4s? <laughs> well, I found all the the one, uh, 200 ones that Casey printed for me a while back. So about a half I, dozen. I think Steve, 
I think Steve's a little bitter over the Vicksburg joke that we made earlier. Yeah, it might be. It was, it was a little, <laughs> he like, wants a little revenge account. for that. <laughs> I mean, Vicksburg it's not like I'm shameful of my love of the A4. Its nickname is the Scooter. Like, what's not to like? What's not to like? It's so cute. It's a cute is. scooter. Uh, all right. Well, hey, as you were saying, you found a bunch more tanks and things you oh, need yeah, to build yeah. for this new game. Yeah. Well, they're already built, actually. Shocking. Half of them were oh. painted. Wow, that's scary. I know. Have you been playing bolt action? I did something action? during oh, COVID. No, oh, I didn't yeah, yeah. no, no, you didn't. Actually, I have a whole bunch oh. of bolt action stuff. I need to split ship between Steve and Brett and then yes, just yes. send it to them. You're like, look, I'm never going to do this. Yeah, get those two poor fools to build out their armies. Uh, you got any uh, DAC motorcycles for the Germans? Make sure they're DAC. We don't want regular uniforms. Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> Brett's still looking for one of those. <laughs> All right. What else is on the schedule? Uh, my Facebook buzzed this morning with the notice for QuestCon. You'd probably be like, QuestCon? What's QuestCon? Hey, that's the new name for Crucible. So Crucible and uh, another event all kind of combined and QuestCon is what's there. And I'm not saying we're going, but for once, it's not the weekend of my anniversary. So uh, there is better than a 0% chance that I could actually attend this one. So if any of you boys have seen a hurricane out there, uh, then we'll try to avoid that and maybe go to uh, down to, to QuestCon because uh, it looks like it's going to be a good setup. Maybe you know, we'll break Matt out. Yeah, uh, maybe NashCon. We'll see. Maybe NashCon. Nash. All right. Well, 6 to 8 October uh, is QuestCon. So let's start thinking about that. A little do, bit before that. Oh, question, go ahead. I do question the wisdom of, of having a con in Florida. Like in smack in the middle. Season? Yeah, that that does. I mean, what, I, was born in Florida. Scared? I was born in Florida. <laughs> like, I've been through more hurricanes than probably you two. But well, definitely Steve. Steve. Yeah. 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 You're just older. That's all. <laughs> I lived in South Carolina, asshole. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Hurricanes. Uh, actually, I said that to my wife this weekend. I was like, wow, it's really nice to not even have to worry about thinking what's going to happen this next hurricane season as everybody predicts more hurricanes. So, no, we just get my tornadoes, problem. you know, yeah. every other you Tuesday. You get tornadoes. I don't get tornadoes over here. Well, I get an EF0, but I don't get big tornadoes. We get little, little tiny, teeny tiny, not scary tornadoes over here, unless you're a four foot tree and you get knocked over. So, anyway. Speaking of uh, the local area, NashCon, uh, I kind of skipped over that one. Uh, 15 to 18 August should be a really good time. Don't know what we're going to do other than definitely a BRS tournament uh, because NashCon always takes care of us and gets us set up out there in the entryway. So we get lots of people walking by and going, what's that airplane game over there? Is that, is that Wings of Glory? No, sir, that's not Wings of Glory. It's Blood Red Skies. Could you please move along now? So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've been asked that question too many times, but uh, we'll go and Matt will hopefully go and hopefully we'll all have a good tournament there. Maybe something narrative, uh, depending on the schedule, depending on the time, maybe some AI, who knows, Ooh, we, a bunch of stinky 40k players there. Can we pull what? out those really cool uh, dual, double B-17s? We always could. Yeah, you, that'd be fun. You want to do a furball, boys? Ooh, yeah, we can do a furball. Cool. <laughs> we could that that actually would be good in the uh, entryway there so maybe we have to do that i'll talk to their event organizer and uh and get our stuff all set up and as always fall in maybe in the fall uh let's see what else millennium con is no longer on uh veterans day weekend so once again another one that the odds of me attending are now greater than zero so uh we may have to do those uh although i think fall in and um and Millennium Con conflict now this year. Whatever. Who cares? 
We'll figure it out. All right. New models. Uh, we've been a little bit behind. Lots of stuff going on in the Lead Pursuit store, but the pre-orders are up as we speak for the F-105s, and hopefully those final prints are winging their way towards us uh, so we can fulfill those pre-orders once people jump in there. They look beautiful. Uh, I was uh, admiring the 3D rendering again, so I'm excited to get uh, hard copies of those. And I know we've already been selling a bunch of F-4s and F-100s, so the other airplanes that we would uh, we'd use for some Rolling Thunder scenarios so should be pretty good. Uh, you might see those, hopefully, at Adepticon, if they don't all sell out in the first 24 hours. <laughs> so when are we getting yes. the B-52? Oh, would you shut up? <laughs> yeah, right after we get the B-36. So when we, <laughs> when we get the printable B-36 from Steve, then I can say, okay, now do a B-52. Sound like a plan, Steve? We're all on board with that, right? That's scary. All right. Not much else uh, around the flight line, and definitely no Intel updates, no new rules, discussions. Although I think our next podcast will probably chat a little bit about rules after the some fallout, not fallout, some experiential stuff from Siege of Vicksburg uh, and the tournament down there. So that was a lot of fun. I will say, yes, it was a small tournament again. Uh, yes, it was uh, a lot of good competition. No, the aircraft involved did not all meet the uh, Adepticon three-color minimum nor the Elite Pursuit fully painted miniatures minimum. But there was a lot of fun and people got to try different things. So... P-51s came back out uh, from the return uh, victor from last year. Mike Lewis was in there with, I'm drawing a blank, what did he bring? I can't believe I totally forgot. Hmm, whatever. Uh, and I had zeros. Uh, I will think here in a moment what Mike brought, and I'll laugh that I couldn't remember it. Uh, oh, he had uh, 109, I believe they're 109 Gs. Yeah, they're 109 Gs. Um, so they were, uh, they were a little sporty. Um, but it was a good tournament lots of fun uh lots of death and destruction and boom chits being slung around so i i had a blast i also took first place but that's not i can't take first place i'm the organizer so that's cheating so but that's all right and there was good prize support as well lead pursuit came through again hooking everybody up except the guy who took first place because he doesn't get prize support so all right that's all I've got on uh, the updates there. Let's move on to the main topic for tonight. Now, I told you guys the name of the episode would be In Defense of Small Conventions, because I enjoy small conventions. Y'all may not. Y'all may like big conventions with thousands of people and sweaty bodies all pressed up against gaming tables and in vendor halls and things, but I kind of like small events. So... I thought we should discuss really the pros of going to some of these small events because there are so many people that make a case you should go to Adepticon, to include us. Uh, you should go to Adepticon. You should go to Historicon. You should go to Fall In. And those are big venues and there's lots going on. And I think, as we've seen sometimes, smaller conventions, they take a little bit uh, of a loss because everybody's going to the big shows and devoting that. So... Just because Matt's going to say, hey, did you define the term? I'm going to define a <clears throat> small convention for you all tonight. Uh, and this is absolutely arbitrary. I'm sure if you go to Gamma's website or to the Gaming Conventions R Us website, uh, it defines what a small convention is. But for the purposes of tonight's discussion, eh, 100 people, is that a good number? You know, I think I think if you cut it at 50 or 75, you might miss some events because they get about 100 people or so. So I think 100 
ish is the cutoff of what we call a small uh, convention. So NashCon, not a small convention. Siege of Vicksburg, and I think we were at 40 attendees this year, 40 to 50 attendees. Absolutely small convention. Uh, Gathering of Eagles, absolutely small convention, even at its largest, because we're pathetically small. Um, <laughs> but uh, then there's some kind of crossover ones. You know, it it also includes kind of some gaming events at more mainstream big events like Comic-Con, DragonCon, where you get subsets. And I realize there's a lot of gaming that goes on at DragonCon, but um, when you go to like Comic-Con, there's game rooms, but they're not necessarily the same as going to a gaming convention. So... I think there's some benefits to that, like we've seen the Pop Culture Con here as a fairly reasonable sized game room. Probably about 75 people at the shot are in there gaming. So it's it's a small convention. When yes, is our Pop Culture Con? Yes, I should know that. It's actually yeah. in my phone. If I looked over here while I was acting like we weren't taking a break from the podcast. Um, yeah, because that might be is. a good venue for AI. More so 12 than 12 to 14 April. Yes. it And we've done BRS there before. AI probably would go well there because of sci-fi stuff and 40K stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I always get some 40K fans that are walking through the vendor hall. I was actually talking to, to Carrie today about uh, just how, how you get people to walk in and play a game. And we were batting ideas around whether it was you know, you have the, as I call them, the Walmart greeter of the gaming hall uh, that you, you don't want to scare off the introverts, but you also don't want people to walk in and just look around and go, oh, there's a lot of people I don't know. I'm going to leave now. Um, you want to have somebody that can engage with them and go, hey, do you want to see a game? You What, what do you play? Do you, board games, RPGs. What do you do? Um, are you game curious? Um, and, you know, maybe even have those people ready to play a couple generic standard board games like Root and some other things that people play um, just to throw dice around and have fun. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's 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 a good to me. That's a good descriptor of a small event attached to a much larger event as there's several thousand people buying um, Marvel Funko Pops and Gundam models and Star Trek uniforms in extra large sizes. Um, but uh, yeah. It's, so is yours it's yours red or yellow? Uh, I don't have a Star Trek uniform. Thank you very much. I realize I that's important. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I have a Star Trek tree. I have a Star Trek Christmas tree that's still up that I haven't taken down yet. Uh, but that's because I'm lazy. <laughs> but no, I don't dress up in a Star Trek uniform. Sorry to disappoint you. Man. I'm sure your uh, profile already knows that about me. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the goods of these kind of conventions. Uh, and I will lead it off with with what I saw this weekend with Adam Chance, the organizer of Siege of Vicksburg. And it's something that Adam's very good at. It's his personality. Obviously, he's an educator, so he's used to engaging with people that may not want to be engaged with, a.k.a. your children, uh, who would rather sit there and stare at their phone rather than... <laughs> Steve, you're not good at engaging with, with people's kids? You just pass out homework assignments. Dude, that's, I mean, that's why God gave us the gift of Mythbusters, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 10 seasons on. of Mythbusters can get you through any semester. Come on. Not everyone gets to teach <laughs> shop where you get to use Mythbusters. Yeah. Uh, so Adam's a good example of that where, and I'll lead off and, and talk about this. Uh, he, he was able to engage with almost everybody coming in the door because it's not hundreds of people. It's, People he knows, people that have signed up that he knows, people that have signed up that he doesn't know because, hey, you're Bob, you know, you're here to play the Battle of Borodino or whatever. Um, and the 
the other good piece of it is when there are walk-ins, he can kind of talk to them and recommend a game. So we had a number of uh, young college students that were gamers. They're mostly RPG gamers that wanted to come over and see what the convention was about. And it, it was an opportunity for Adam to suggest games to them. Hey, what do you like to play? What, you know, what RPGs do you play or what stuff interests you? Um, and I think that helps focus people into the right game rather than, than them roaming around going, Oh, lots of really blue painted figures with bayonets and uh, lots of really scary Vikings over there. I don't like either of those games. Um, I don't know, Matt, you seem like you've got a thought about that. You're going to share. I like that idea. Uh, I haven't lived in DC for a number of years. I, I usually, you know, walk somewhere with my head kind of forward and don't pay attention to anyone. But if somebody were to actually engage when I, you know, showed up, uh, somewhere where I was like clearly there to, to enjoy myself. Someone's like, Hey, what do you like? What are you looking for? Uh, that, that would be super helpful. Um, or if I just didn't have an idea and just someone to engage me, like you said, uh, would be really nice. Yeah. Steve, you've seen Adam do that at the first siege of Vicksburg. Yeah. I walk in the door. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a huge advantage, right? And, uh, <laughs> Going to a bigger convention, if you're a new person, can kind of just be intimidating, right? So, oh, like yeah. being able to talk to the, have the director come up right to you, kind of steer you in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's a, a great plus, especially for people that are looking to kind of like see what the whole wargaming thing or uh, tabletop exactly. miniatures gaming thing is about. Well, and that brings up another interesting subject that that was something that I wasn't necessarily thinking of in the middle of the game that we were doing. So we were getting ready to do a big blood red skies game with bombers and fighters, battle of Britain kind of thing. And right at that point, Adam, who was going to play the, the bombers brought over two college students and said, Hey, they're kind of curious about blood red skies. And so it was a moment of looking at them and going, uh, I have no idea how I'm going to fit you into this game. <laughs> I haven't, I have not been playing to have a new person's game here. This was going to be a more advanced scenario, but you flex is the game organizer. Uh, and ironically it was two women and ironically they were really excited to play world war two airplanes. So I was kind of laughing. Uh, yeah, I know we were wondering who are these unicorns and why are they going to college in Mississippi? But, uh, no, they were awesome. And they, they had, um, very different things they wanted to kind of get out of the game. So one played fighters. The other one got to play the JU-88 bombers flying the wonderful Steve Toth uh, JU-88 that uh, we had three of those all painted up, put two of them on the board. And uh, these young ladies were awesome because they were having so much fun. And we went through the rules uh, real quick, got them into the game and, and got them playing. And one of them, uh, her husband was also playing. I think he was either doing a Napoleonics or something else uh, over on the other side. So he kind of got uh, drug off into that. But it was it was fun. And it was total walk-ups that had been guided there by uh, by Adam. So I, I think that makes it really cool to, uh, to get people targeted into the game because that's what their interests are. They're like, hey, what about airplanes? You know, they really didn't want to do Napoleonics. Weird. Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> I, All right. I still don't get it. I don't get it. What? Napoleonics. What, what the interest of it? I don't. I really I just don't. Not really. I mean, I, it's not my thing at all. And I'm the first to make fun of Napoleonics people. But I, I totally get the desire to paint up a bunch of little rank and file infantry and, and redo these great battles of history. But 
neither thing seems to really interest me. I guess if you know what I'm saying. I, I, I see how people find that interesting. I also see how people find collecting bottle caps interesting. Uh, I don't collect bottle caps. So it to each their own, whatever. All right, fair enough. <laughs> no, but, All right. you know, I think that's also especially important for like, um, you know, the pop culture cons or um, up in D.C. They have Awesome Con where – it's a huge, you know, at least for not maybe pop culture con, but adventure con, it's a huge venue. There's artists there for comic books. It's mostly comic book or pop culture centric. There's a lot of other stuff going on, but, um, to have kind of a, I don't want to say like a carnival barker, but like somebody saying, Hey, yeah. like come play a game. Pushing like, you in the right yeah, direction. Yeah. What, what are you interested in? Yeah. So, so I'm curious, did they choose calling it awesome con because it sucks con was already taken? Did someone want to use the reverse marketing there? I'm kidding sorry dumb joke anyway <laughs> moving on uh so i think there's i think there's a point there that from what i've seen and i'm going to be i'm going to really stereotype here so all of you gen z people can get out your cancel culture knives and stab me um there, i think there's there, no gen z people listening to this podcast <laughs> no there aren't we, we should know that i think there might be one there might be one um but his parents are making him listen to something thinking it's historical and, and he's actually listening to an E-rated podcast. But uh, they're – how do I say this? The the generation that is easily more introverted than others, I think sometimes it is difficult to get in – to break that barrier. And without you know getting in people's personal space, be able to say, hey, can I help you? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't need help. I'm just going to roam around the convention. I'm I'm good. Really, I am. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious where that middle ground is, how you let people know what all the offerings are. Also let people know there's people here to help if you have questions, um, and not be super intrusive that, you know, older generations may not care about because they want to talk to you about their cats and their 8,000 Napoleonic miniatures, um, but might be a little uncomfortable for some of the youngers thoughts. Yeah, I think that just kind of dovetails into just being a smaller con, right? When you have a larger con, the person that's trying to, to direct you has more stuff to tell you about, right? Where if you're in a right. smaller con, the person who's trying to direct you, it's a much more informal kind of thing, right? It's kind of like, oh, check out these guys, check out these guys, they're right over there or they're over there. You know, at Adepticon, if the guy's trying to direct you, he's like, get on the shuttle and, you know, at 8.15 and then go, you know, it just is overwhelming, right? So it's just that that kind of more informal atmosphere of a smaller con leads itself more to that. And, yeah. And I'd say that the pace of check-in also helps because it, at, you know, like Siege of Vicksburg where it's a few people checking in every hour, it's super easy to go, Oh, Hey, let me hand you your badge. And Oh, by the way, what do you play? You know, what, what interests you? And so it's not like Adepticon where they're running you all through the, you know, cattle shoot to get your ear tag so that you can go play the appropriate game you signed up for. Uh, that's, well, a, that's a farm reference there, Matt, in case you have never been to a farm, but never mind. Do they not have those in Virginia, coastal Virginia? They, they have a lot of those in coastal Virginia. <laughs> they're, they're oyster farms. They're oyster farms, yeah. You don't put ear tags on, on oysters. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know why you would. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Do oysters even have ears? Probably not. All right. Sorry. I totally derailed you. You were going to say something before I decided. Uh, to I was going to say this. Like smaller cons, additionally, like I don't think there's going to be – there. there's probably one or two, but there's not going to be as many like smash plays, face players. Yes. So the inherently the tables are going to be more welcoming, especially new players, more patient, 
welcome to guide somebody through their first game to get them to where they can not, you know, play competitively, but at least have a good time with everyone else. I, see, I would have agreed with you 100% until those jerks at the Lead Pursuit podcast, they chose scenario two for the tournament. And guess whose airplanes in his first tournament round were all disadvantaged and in the middle of the board? That's right, this guy. So Mr. Smashface came out pretty quick. <laughs> and I must now apologize to my two opponents. Um, <clears throat> the high propensity for my airplanes to show up disadvantaged made me a little more competitive than, than usual. So uh, I apologize, but it sure was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, you're right. You, th- that kind of leads into my next point. And I'll ask both of you, do you think going to a smaller event, you are more likely or less likely to get stuck at a table with a grog? Hundred percent less likely. And why is that? Defend yourself. Because Defend your argument, I will. young man. And this is gonna like close and shut. There's no other argument that can <laughs> be made. Okay, because a grognard's fuel is a captive and argumentative audience. Okay, that's why. <laughs> oh, as soon as there's not an argument, <laughs> siege of Vicksburg with me. <laughs> no, as soon oh. as soon as there's not an argumentative audience, and the person's like, oh, okay. And they just like move on and don't engage with the grog yeah. guard. Yeah. It's like yeah. they just die like a rose got, you know, <laughs> deprived of its water. Like you just so there's way less of a chance. Okay. Okay. And, I, I will generally sort of buy that. Uh, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Uh, I'll agree with that. Just uh, the last two cons I went to NashCon with, with you and then GOE before that. Um, there was that I really wish I could remember the guy's name. He was so nice. It was the first time he played BRS. This was Dashcon. It was the first time he uh, been to BRS. He brought the I remember his Belgian Hurricanes. And he was like, yeah. it's the first time I played. Like, I don't know anything about this game. Like, bear with me. And like I was like, all right, yeah, sure, no problem. Hey man. And like not being super experienced at cons before, I was like, oh, this is great. This guy showed up just to play this game. This is awesome. Um, super cool, but <clears throat> Right, and it was kind of that experience all the way through, for yeah. the most part. Um, and then at <laughs> GOE, um, I got paired with uh, Phil's kid, or no, Pat. I'm sorry, yep. Pat's kid, and yep. uh, well, he was actually playing Smashface. Um, he embarrassed me several times that weekend. <laughs> That's um, good. That said, it was that. a lot of fun. He went from uh, pretty good. I can beat Matt for you know with a bit of a struggle to. You know, I'm, I can beat him no problem with like, yeah. I'll, in fact, I'll give you an extra airplane, Matt, and see if you can do nice. it. Oh, no, I just <laughs> mop the floor with you. Cool. But it was still a lot of fun. It wasn't a yeah. like, and that's like a case of like, clearly not a grognard having a good time. Like young, young kid, uh, I think he was what, probably 10, 11 at, at the, time. the time. Yeah, he was 10, he was 10, 10 at, at the time, time. Uh, for that clearly, one. Clearly like hanging around. 12 by the time, time we went to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so there's just like two. Uh, maybe anecdotal, but pertinent examples. Yeah, no, I, and I would agree with with two caveats. The the first being, how do you pick out at a small convention? How do you pick out the grognard as soon as you walk in the room? They're usually the ones sitting at a table of their miniatures. They all set up and they're waiting for somebody to come. Yeah, exactly. Steve's got the pose. No, that's that's exactly the pose from this weekend. Yeah, they're sitting there waiting for somebody to roll up to their table so they can give both a history lesson and a drubbing at the table as they uh, as they beat you at their own game. So, so that's, this that's is how you point tell. One. Okay. Yeah. If a historical gamer's hands folded together rest horizontally on top of their stomach, <laughs> they're a grognard. That's how you know. 
<laughs> All right, I'm, I'm putting that in the book in the uh, in the Grognard rendition manual. Grognard identification. When you clear the room, are there any people with their hands resting on? Yeah. Uh, but here's my other point, and and this is where I kind of agree with agree with you all uh, that in most of the situations, you're right, there aren't. But when you find a grognard there who's across the table from you, I think it magnifies it because it's not a big event. It's not a long event. If you've stumbled into grognardism with someone, then I, I use the example. It's like me sitting in the casino in Malta with the CH-46 pilot that just would not shut up. And I could not lose my money fast enough. I'm like, here, please take more money. I won't, let me suck at this game so I can get away from this table. Um, and... and it's not that it ruins the event for you, but there there are times that it just becomes painful when you're dealing with a grognard and you're like, okay, I get it. Um, the models aren't, you know, historically accurate. Uh, they are 13.5 millimeter scale or whatever. Um, so it's it's funny. I had a little bit of 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 uh, what do I want to say? Jousting with grognards this weekend. It, it was funny. Uh, the guy was a super super good guy. Not not your usual grumpy grognard. But he he went from uh, from fun player to full on grog in about thirty seconds in a game of Blood Red Skies, uh, Mig Alley. So it was kind of funny, but whatever. How how just how? Okay, so so here's here's exactly. I'll tell you how. Um, and an individual who I will not give credit for the quote said, uh, "At wargaming conventions, there's more game designers than gamers. Uh, people, I think, who are used to." designing their own games or are thinking about things as a game designer can't turn that freaking switch off when they're playing the game and they can't think, Oh, I'm just going to play this new game that I've never played before. And I'm going to play all the different ways of it. I'm going to see if there's one style of play that interests me because this individual, you know, he and I had three great games of blood red skies. We played, um, we played a jet. Let me think here. Jet game with missiles. Uh, we played actually, no, we, it was, it was no missiles. It was just a dogfight only, but it was, it was MiG 21s and sabers. Uh, so it was advanced jets. Um, we did, I forget what we did for the world war two, but we played, he played in one of the world war two battles. Uh, oh, he was in the, he was in the JU 88, uh, battle of Britain fight. And then, uh, he did MiG alley and we did MiG alley as a two V two. And this is a total aside for blood red skies, demo games. And I've learned this before and I learned it again the hard way. 2v2 jet games take a long time in Blood Red Skies because you can get in this big turning fight and you're chasing somebody down, holding them down to disadvantage and they get out of range, pop back up. It That game can take longer than a World War II game. And so um, that's not the first time I've seen it happen. And that kind of got him really frustrated. Now, ironically... The funniest part of it all, and this is this is where I, I I was joking around, we were laughing at the end, was he got so frustrated he pitched out of the fight as one of the F-86s, and that was the game-winning maneuver. Or sorry, as, as one of the MiG-15s, uh, because nobody followed him. So that allowed him to climb all the way back up to advantage. Next turn, turn around and tail one of the F-86s. So uh, it was it was both frustrating that it took that long, and then it was a great learning experience of, hey, and oh, by the way, pitch out of the fight, get your advantage back, and kill somebody. So. I I guess my real question was like I, I find BRS and maybe maybe most of Warlord's games very difficult to get like grognardy about because I mean for like a number of reasons the rules are I mean we've said this I don't, I don't know how many times it's like the comic book version of the movie about the battle 
about, yeah. you know, about the book, yeah. about the battle or whatever. And then even the miniatures that I, you know, there's the, uh, the bolt action ones are my, you know, they're pretty heroic looking. Like they've got the really action looking comic book type type faces and styles. Kind right. of thing. This isn't, you know, um, correct scale Napoleonics with, you know, the correct belt buckle and the correct number of. Well, things, and, and I know. think the key is it goes back to if you're playing the game and you're analyzing it as a game designer, then you play the game differently than if you're playing as someone who goes, oh, I love aviation. I want to play through one, two, or three different styles of the game. Yeah. Uh, but it, it did also anchor to me one of the things I've seen about Blood Red Skies, and I don't understand it, uh, but it's an interesting point, is a lot of people tend to prefer one time period. And it's just because the game does play differently. With It plays differently with Korea-era jets. It plays differently as soon as you introduce missiles to jets. It plays very differently with World War II airplanes. And... I find that people tend to like to be in one or other of those. They don't generally say, oh, I love playing big World War II battles, and I also would love to do some Korea, you know, it, that people find kind of a niche inside Blood Red Skies to play. But, you know, at the same same time, it's it's so accessible. It's super easy to switch uh, between time periods. Okay, so let's think about some other things, some other advantages. I know, uh, Steve, you've probably thought of a couple things that you at least like about smaller events, smaller conventions, uh, as opposed to the big splashy ones. Yeah, I am a huge fan of the small convention, right? And for the reason that when I go to Adepticon, I spend my time with probably like the same 15 people anyway, right? So yes. it's like, <laughs> like it's very- You might as well be at a small convention. You might as well be at a small convention, better parking. right? I mean, that was the joke about the first gathering of Eagles. It was just yeah. like Doug's gaming yeah. party, right? <laughs> Doug's private you know? gaming party. But uh, we didn't invite Matt. It was wonderful. <laughs> oh, but he showed up. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, I just, I like going. I like being able to just play different games, right? I hate feeling like I have to sign up and plan my whole weekend three months in advance. You know, like I absolutely hate that. Uh, If I see something that interests me, I want to be able to walk up and say, Hey, can I get in that game and not have to worry about, you know, spots being sold out or that's, that's one of the, the huge things that I love about small conventions is there's almost never a wait list. There's people are always able to, to work you in. Generally, the events aren't full anyway. And oh, by the way, you know, not like Historicon where they filled up in the, you know, in the first five minutes whenever it opens up, you know, they're the, I think it's good and bad in the sense of there's always walk up tables. Then I feel bad for people. And I've been that guy myself that no one's showed up for your game time because <laughs> it's a small event and everyone's off playing Team Yankee or whatever. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's, that's one of those cool things is that you can almost always find a, um, a game to pitch in on. And what I'll say is at a small convention, it's easier for people to bring a bunch of other games. And when people are just kind of sitting around talking, going, Oh, Hey, you brought a copy of whatever, or like we had happen there. And, and I, uh, I'll laugh at one of the guys, Brian, he kept pulling out games I wanted to play and go, Oh yeah, I brought my copy of this. And Oh yeah, I brought this. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to get all these games played this weekend. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. You know, thanks for bringing those, but I've, I've run out of hours in the day. But, but to your point, those small events are when you get that kind of that kind of interaction. Yeah, I think also like 
not, uh, I don't know. I think for vendors, right? Whenever you go to Adepticon, not so much like the specialty vendors, but like the generic hobby shop vendors, right? When you go to a place like a StoreCon or Adepticon, there's a lot of overlap with the inventory yep. that the vendors yeah. have, right? Mm-hmm. So like a convention like, you know, Siege of Vicksburg, where you kind of have Phil and Tina, right? Yep. Or a convention <laughs> like, like... Our favorite people. Oh my, yeah, for sure, right? And Mike Lewis, like it bums me out that I can't make Siege of Vicksburg because I talk about like, Friends of the podcast, like yep. the three yep. favorite friends of the podcast are all at Siege of Vicksburg, right? Yeah. But it's <laughs> exactly. like, yeah, you know, it's just, I'm sure for vendors, it's kind of like, hey, if you want this, that's the guy to go to. There's not 15 people that are trying to compete for the same sale. And yeah, I, I mean, don't well, get me even wrong. As we saw at, at Historicon, there's a point of vendor overload where a couple vendors don't necessarily overlap with everyone, but they bring every model in (laughs) like four or five games ranges. And I walked in there and I'm like, if I even wanted to start a saga army, I'm not sure I know what I would buy because I have too many choices. Constrain me to a starter kit, please. Yeah. (laughs) Or even being able to take time, right? Like that's a actually a a total separate valid point with a vendor, like, right. Being able to go up to Phil and be like, Hey Phil, I'm kind of into this game what should I buy to start? Right. Yeah. Where, and he'll take 20, 30 minutes to have a conversation with you at a smaller convention. Whereas you go through that vendor hall at a store con, if there's, it's not like you have your wallet out, they're not dealing with you. Right. They're trying to make as much money as they can for that booth over the weekend. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love Adepticon. It is like just a phenomenal time, but I am as a rule, like much more of a fan of the, the smaller convention. And I'll be honest, I think that's why at Adepticon I've enjoyed being a part of the heresy community because we were always stuck up in a ballroom somewhere with terrible lighting. Uh, but you were away from the main part of the halls, and that's kind of why I've liked the historical. And no historicals. At the, I was just going to say that, you know, right? So like when we go over to the other place to do the yeah. – in the main yeah, hall for the, the AI yeah. event, man, I oh, feel yeah. like it's like, man, everything's going crazy and we're trying to like wrestle people away from a table to get set up and – it's just like, man, it's almost like sensory overload at the main hall yeah. at Adepticon, so, right? We're in the historical area. It's kind of like, hey, it's kind of like our own little small convention at Adepticon. Which is why AI will be at the Hyatt <laughs> this year and not at the main hall, which I mean, may have screwed us a little bit on some people attending, eh. but whatever. I mean, that sensory overload uh, point is, I mean, that's true. Like uh, when we went to NashCon, if we BRS had been in the main hall with all that other stuff going on, with, um, I think there was like the uh, – it was AOS going yeah, on. Yeah, AOS. And, and I mean, some of those of models were absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was, would have been super easy just to get distracted just by whatever else was going on. Um, and like somebody who, who doesn't those like guys that to- play aerodrome making all that noise over there. <laughs> Mark and his crowd, man, they're – those guys are noisy right now. Not I wish I had made my way <laughs> over there. I, I still – very much want to play that. Um, yes. So, so uh, Historicon, yes. Uh, we'll have to uh, ratchet down and play that. Nashcon, obviously, we'll play it. We'll we'll make time because uh, it's it's always a good time. And you know, for everyone who may or may not have been tracking, they've obviously got Aerodrome One O and Two O out. Three O for Korea is out. Oh, is it? There is a there is a sci-fi Aerodrome now that they've been playing and play testing. So imagine aerodrome and all the same hilarity uh, around a table full of people with X wings or Cylon fighters. Or so are you saying I Buck finally Rogers. have a use for my one seventy two X wings? Do you have as many as you have A fours? Probably yes. 
Don't answer that question. <laughs> yes. You could plead the fifth that it is active in a podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, maybe that will come in handy for you. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. That's, that's kind of the, um, another thing there, I feel at some of the smaller conventions or there might, there's probably a chance that there's more niche games showing up because yeah. there's not a restriction on the tables or like the big games aren't taking all the tables because that's what, you know, draws a big crowd. Right. Right. And when you're not at a big event where let's say you've got 40, 40 K or AOS tables out of a 60 table gaming hall, that puts a crunch on everybody else and what they can, what they can put out there. And sometimes the, small two-person, four-person game that would be really fun to play kind of gets pushed to the side because they're making room for the narrative game with eight players flying bombers and, you know, whatever. So um, the narrative, you know, Siege of Peking, all those different things. So I think I think there's something to be said just for the the reduced density. And a lot of this is up to the the event organizer and the game masters that are hosting things to offer a variety. I have seen small events where every day it is the same four games over and over and over again. And that to me is not as much fun as if the GMs went in and said, you know what? I got a bunch of Napoleonic stuff. So I'm going to do Borodino today and I'm going to do some other battle that I should probably know about, but don't know about because I didn't study Napoleonics. Um, you know, all these other fights, they, they you know, start offering something different and because people may just not be interested in that battle or there may be something specific uh, to that that they go, yeah, whatever. I'd rather play a different phase of the war, different uh, different armies out there. So change it up if you're a GM. Don't, don't just offer the same thing. All right, what other things out there make you fans of the small events besides the terrible food at NashCon? And I'm sorry, NashCon operators. <laughs> it's gotten slightly better every year, but my God, it's not good. I mean, for example, like like uh, GOE, the only reason I even ended up buying uh, Gunfight Royale was because uh, John Russell pulled it out while I was I think yeah. I was sitting there having a beer, kind of watching other people play. He's like, "Matt, what are you doing?" I'm like drinking a beer. He's like, "Come sit down, and play." And I was like, uh, "And then he was like, basically grabbed me by the scruff of my neck and sat me down and made me play." And, and he game molested you, is what he did. He totally game molested you. He did. brought you, you in. You know what? I was there for. Though. <laughs> made you play I his was game. Totally okay. <laughs> It's, you know, I, I laugh getting sidetracked into games. I almost got sidetracked into a Borodino game. And I don't know if I just gave them my most panicked non-Napoleonic player look. Uh, but I was like, nope, 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 not going to do it. Thanks. I'm, I'm good. I got to go to dinner right now. Got to leave. Yeah. So didn't didn't play it. Sorry, guys. Yeah, but I absolutely but, got a chance to play a game. I I just wouldn't wouldn't have just because well, yeah. – it was the, it was happening. It was kind of a, a down period. The tournament had ended. Everyone's kind of hanging out, um, and I don't think that probably happens at a larger convention. Right, right. It it definitely doesn't happen near as much as it does at the, at the smaller events. Well, one of the things that I want to kind of anchor on is the ability to interact with game designers. And my problem, and I realized it coming back from Siege of Vicksburg, is sometimes I take that for granted. One because we do the podcast and we talk to designers a lot, but two, because I go to smaller events and I'm used to seeing someone sitting there saying, look, I'm selling the games that I've designed uh, or I am hosting the games to be played. And that's something you don't always get at the larger events for a couple of reasons. One, 
there's probably a bunch of other people that wanted to play that game that are signed up that are also going to try to monopolize the conversation because there will be that one grognard and we all have seen them at that game that wants to have a three-hour discussion about the color of Prussian blue that's on the box art for that game with the game designer. Um, But then you also just have the dynamic of that person, if they're at a larger event, probably is either doing multiple games or has games they want to go play. It's not like people showing up to a small event saying, hey, buy my game, play my game, try it. Uh, And it's usually lower stress. Uh, So like my example is uh, Jack Green being at every siege of Vicksburg. And I, I really, this last time I realized how much I take that for granted that, and I know, you know, Steve's like Jack Green, who the hell is Jack Green? Uh, Matt is having bad flashbacks to his childhood right now. Um, But he's the guy that did the second edition of Bismarck for Avalon Hill. And he's done a lot of naval games, done a couple other games. No, he did not do wooden ships and Iron Men. So um, you don't have to worry about that. You're not scarred for for years for that. No, but my but, dad definitely had Bismarck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and and I played Bismarck. I didn't own a copy of it. And I, I felt bad as I looked at Jack and said, no, Bismarck was a little complex for me at that age. So I liked, liked much simpler games like War at Sea and Victory in the Pacific. Uh, but... But to have Jack there and have Jack showing the reprint of his Royal Navy game that I guess Vuka Sims is going to reprint for them and and is going to bring back out and the opportunity to play him one on one. I sat there as Mike Lewis was was playing him uh, and I'm pretty sure Jack was beating the crap out of Mike. But it's an opportunity that you just don't get it at a at a big convention. You're not going to sit down and play Blood Red Skies with Andy Chambers at Adepticon. He's probably going to walk over and laugh at you and go, I told you I wouldn't pick those airplanes. Uh, but you're probably not going to get to play one-on-one and and have some of those discussions. And also for me, it was the having beers and pizza afterwards, sitting there just at a table with me and Adam and Jack and just, just BSing about game design and games and, and things we used to play. So that's another one of those cool things about small conventions. If you can find ones that are targeting designers that are that say hey here's the people that were that are being featured uh, it's like going to the small comic con and getting to talk to your you know comic book hero as they sign your comic book i'm sure matt did that a lot but whatever oh, comic yeah. book convention goers do <laughs> yeah garth ennis has uh, signed every copy of every graphic novel he's ever produced for me <laughs> you're a, you're a nerd no you're i don't care <laughs> you, so you so belong on this podcast <laughs> Oh, you know what? I'm going to take uh, an opportunity right now. If if you're an aerial war game enthusiast, go out and buy Garth Ennis's string bags. It's about uh, a uh, fairy swordfish crew uh, through three different historical battles. It's completely ahistorical, but it's a lot of fun, and I think everyone that's into aerial war games should read it. Cool. There you go. Shameless plug for uh, for comics to keep you going. All right. Any other uh, kind of things about small conventions we want to cover? Any other things that you guys really enjoy about them? Um, anything that's that's kind of your reason for going? I, I think they're just generally a lot less stress. Um, just the, the whole – I mean especially like compared to Adepticon where you guys are talking about shuttling back and forth and making sure you're at the right location. And then if you want to go – to the vendors hall well, you've got to go well, so else. so why is it less stress what do you, what makes you <laughs> less stressed in an event for me it's like just that? less people like yeah. simple enough that, that's just i, I think for a lot of people that's that it's just less press of the crowds less competition to go get a sandwich at the 
freaking food bar, you know, things like that. Um, what I also think, and, and I think this weighs on some gamers more than others, but small events are something you usually drive to. You, it's a couple hours away. You, it's not costing you a lot of money to go there. It probably doesn't have a huge entry fee. You're not paying entry fees by event. You know, you're not doing a lot of things you do at, at bigger games. And so if you go there and you hang out and you drink beer with some other people, play the same games that you play and you have a good time, I, I think you don't have the fear of missing out that you kind of do when you go to the bigger events because you're like, oh man, I dropped a lot of money on a plane ticket to get here, hotel, you know, I've got this event I got to play in. I want to play, I want to place well or do well in that event. You, there's this, this expectation of all the things you have to get done to feel like you get your money's worth. Whereas a lot of times with a smaller event, you're like, hey, I showed up in my case. So did Siege of Vicksburg, uh, played four new players in the game, played a tournament, demoed missiles twice, uh, and got to hang out and talk to Jack Green, a bunch of other people, and, and some you know other gamers and game designers. And did I do everything I want to do that weekend? No, not absolutely not. Didn't didn't get to play all the games I wanted. But I don't feel like I didn't get my money's worth because it's much much cheaper, lower barrier to entry than than going to Adepticon. Matt's like I don't spend much on tournaments and cons anyway because I just don't go to any. No, that's <laughs> you don't that's, have that problem. And maybe that's the thing. I'm not a, a huge con and, and tournament person in, in the first place. I'd, I'd much rather, assuming I had the time, go to high ground and, and play with you guys, or you know, even uh, Connor or some, you know, if some other guy, maybe one of the BattleTech guys, wants to try out AI or something like that. I'd, I'd much rather do that. Um, and maybe yeah. that's why the cons are or smaller cons are more appealing to me because they're more like just going to your local shop and playing right. just with maybe a, a different variety of people uh, than you well, see day to day. And I think Steve, Steve saw this with me at fall in is there's so much to do and so many people you want to engage with. And for me, who's going there to kind of start bridging lead pursuit into Historicon and fall in and all those kind of things, man, we, you know, we covered a lot of ground, you know, you, me and Brett in, in those days up there, but I still don't feel like I got anywhere near what, I'd put on paper that I thought I was going to do and, and get to talk to people running games and, and go actually play a couple games. We had an absolute blast doing what we were doing, but at the end of the day, I'm like, Oh man. Oh, I didn't even play blood red skies other than on our own streaming table. Yeah. That was kind of crazy, right? We were, uh, it did like a lot, but it felt like we didn't do shit. Right. It was yeah, like, exactly. we were kind of like at the end of it, we're like, man, we like, we're really busy, but not even really sure what we did, right? You can't. <laughs> you know, and that kind of we handed out a bunch of three D prints and played a bunch of games on a streaming table and interviewed people. Yeah, and, okay, and I, was that I feel convention? like you know, it, it's just a different. They're just different experiences, right? Yeah. Big con, small con. Uh, I, I'm down for both. You know, I th I think I, I have too. fun at I have fun at either. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I feel like historicals are almost kind of all like isolated small cons even at big cons right. i feel like there's not a lot of historical people that are like i i feel like kind of the people on our podcast are kind of a rarity we're like oh yeah i'll go play you know 17th century sailing ships and then i'm gonna go play uh jet age warfare and then i'm yeah. gonna go play uh you know i feel like that doesn't happen a lot with historical gamers they kind of get bottled in their one thing that they're really passionate about historically right so you get these little pockets at bigger cons anyway right but uh 
Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I have to figure out a better line to play off what I I heard again at this con that oh you're that guy from the Lead Pursuit podcast. Oh <laughs> I would go no no I'm not that guy at all. That's a different Doug Glover. I'm a much nicer guy. I don't make fun of people and say terrible things. Yeah, so it, that was another funny moment sitting there talking to a couple guys, and I guess I'd turned the other way in my Lead Pursuit logo. They couldn't see or whatever. And then I turned and start talking to them like oh wait you're that guy. So yeah. <laughs> uncomfortably small world that's that's all four of our followers that are listening to the yeah. podcast were that's your response oh you must be steve's mom yeah <laughs> my 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 standard response has been oh i'm sorry that your life is so boring and devoid of excitement that you have to listen to our podcast i'm like please find a different hobby do something take up knitting <laughs> i mean i don't know why you brought me on the uh, podcast in the first place because you just lost a listener yeah i lost a listener by bringing you into the podcast yeah exactly now we're down to three no all right. Any other last minute things? Or are we going to wrap this one up with the negative things about uh, about small cons? All right. Negatives. I'm not going to cover any negatives because I'm going to be positive for once in my life. <laughs> I don't have anything bad to say about small cons. I mean, you can say what you want about crappy food or, you know, not the fanciest venues or the carpet sucks in the hotel. You know, hotel I, six at Vicksburg. I've got whatever. Get some, you just don't always know about them. Like the publicity is, is if it, if it's not local to you, like, and I'm talking super local to you. Like if it's not happening in Huntsville, if it's happening in Athens or Decatur for us, we might not know about it. And especially if it's attached to something else. Mm -hmm. So I believe there was a gaming event attached to, I want to say it was either, it was a model con in, uh, it was in, not in Dothan. I want to say it was in, uh, Gadsden or somewhere there there was one that was just a couple hours south of us it had a little bit of gaming but a lot of either models or or something else and it was just funny because I didn't I finally saw it on Facebook like the weekend before it was supposed to happen I'm like yeah not I'm not gonna drive down there now I don't have time in my schedule uh, but you're right that 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 is one of the negatives is that they sometimes go on and you never know and miss out man when you said model con with a little bit of gaming matt's face and ears perked up like a freaking golden retriever when you oh, opened a freaking treat bag he, he was damn. thinking i can totally ditch doug because he's gonna go play games <laughs> and i can have free will in the model room and then pack the vehicle full of stuff and doug will have to find his own ride home <laughs> yeah 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 sorry doug your seat's taken by five a4s in one forty eighth scale <laughs> Uh, 116th scale <laughs> flying models. Yeah. And uh, all of gold squadron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That jokes. It's, it's only going to get worse for Matt. I'm sorry. Welcome to being the new guy in the podcast and being the, yeah, the bottom of the barrel. That's all right. Okay. Well, Hey, like we said last week, no, we're not going to talk about flub rubs and brownie cookies. Uh, but what we would like to say is please, like, rate the podcast, leave us a review, send us an email, uh, tell us what you like, what you didn't like, what we're absolutely 100% wrong about. Tell us how small cons are terrible. They're the worst ever. Make sure you lean back and hold your hands over your belly there like Steve just did. But yeah, tell us how wrong we are because uh, we want to hear from you. And we don't care if your opinion differs than ours. We'll just tell you that you're wrong and you're not as cool as we are on the Lead Pursuit podcast. And that will end the discussion. But uh, please give us the feedback and likewise, share the podcast with your friends. Uh, There's a lot of gamers out there that may or may not know about uh, aviation specific podcasts for aviation war games uh, or may not necessarily be into aviation war gaming itself. All right, guys, 
Thanks for being on the podcast tonight. And as Steve is so fond of saying, keep climbing for advantage. My experience this weekend, and I'm, I'm going to use the big D, diversity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Steve worked up when I said the big D. No, it's not the big D. Steve, you okay? And Steve hasn't recovered from thinking about the big D, I guess. <laughs> He's not okay. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. I just uh, it's Steve, you yeah. crying? It, it's good. He had an image he didn't need. <laughs> the big D at a small con. It's just fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, this will be a fun one to edit.